Do you feel politically homeless? Lost in the chaos of modern politics? Not sure who to believe? Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, season two, episode two. Recording today from the historic WGNS studios located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Well, we started season two off with a bang last week, and uh, happy to announce we're now available on Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, and WGNSRadio.com. <clears throat> we certainly appreciate all the folks that are listening to the podcast and uh, have things to contribute here. Glad you're enjoying it. You know, folks, here in Rutherford County, we've seen massive growth. I've lived here for 32 years now. It's been incredible. It's never really stopped. In the last 10 years, we've really had a people bomb. And as a result of that, of all the folks that want to move in here, we have a lot of folks now that are wanting the government, the local government, to control the growth, to stop the growth, to slow the growth down, to do, uh, uh, to stop changing, radically changing the town that they moved to or that they grew up in. We hear a lot of that out there, but what we don't hear is to talk about private property rights and the fact that this country was founded on private property rights. It is a pillar of democracy. And so if you have a piece of property and you improve it and you want to sell it, I mean, that's one of the things in America that's very unique. Prior to 1776, you know, everything belonged to the king. And um, that's not that way in this country and why we're so much radically different than the rest of the world today and why we've been so successful since the inception of this country. And so I think it's really important that we make sure that we remember what this country is founded on, and that's the ability to acquire property and to improve that property or to sell that property. As long as you're operating within the rules and regulations uh, set forth by the local community, you're in you're in great shape. You know, many communities would love to have the problems that Rutherford County has with all of these folks that want to move in here, that want to live here. It really is a good problem to have. <clears throat> and all of this home buying and home building that's going on here, well, once again, there are lots of places in the United States that wish that they had just a portion of how blessed we are here in the Middle Tennessee area. Property or homes are typically the largest investment that an American makes over the course of their lifetime. It's typically their home. A lot of folks refer to that as the American dream, as home ownership, and I think a lot of people still do. We're here to talk about that today, folks, and specifically here to Rutherford County. How is your property valued? How is it assessed? We're going to go over the basics with that. And we look forward to our conversation today with Rutherford County's property assessor, Mr. Rob Mitchell, will be joining us. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Man in the Middle podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host. And joining me today is Rutherford County Property Assessor, Mr. Rob Mitchell. Rob, welcome to the Man in the Middle. Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's, it's great to have you. I know that, uh, that uh, you uh, have are the incumbent. There's an election going on right now. And yes, you, sir. The, you have been the property assessor for Rutherford County for how long, Rob? Uh, eight years. Eight years now. So really, when you took office was right after the recession. Right. We're coming right out of, <clears throat> we were still, excuse me, still in a bit of the recession. Right. But we, we had started, the market had started to turn. And and that's really, I, uh, well, give me a little bit about your, uh, tell the folks a little bit about your background, Rob, uh, where you're from and, and what you've done in the past. Oh, well, I'm pretty much from Middle Tennessee, graduated from Franklin High School. And as okay. as Governor Bill Lee likes to say, uh, I'm much older than he is. He's a year behind me. He likes to point that out. Right. You know, it's uh just because I have gray hair and he doesn't, you know, this time, this time my job's harder than yours. Right, right, yeah. Well, um, and so really that your tenure as the property assessor here in Rutherford County is what I, I've been here for 33 years, Rob, and uh, since 1988 and, or 32, and, and um, really the last decade is what I call the explosion. Rutherford, mm-hmm. Rutherford County has been growing uh, for 30 plus years, but the last decade, it has really exploded. Is, is that your assessment too? Uh, 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 there was a huge growth spurt between 1980 and 1990. Okay. Um, we don't have as many people then, but you know, right. still, the, the percentage wise, it was a large growth. Right. Uh, but, but we have between 30 and 40 people a day. Moving you know, in here. Moving in here. So every year, is this a fair assessment? Every year your backlog gets bigger? Of the, of we the, keep up, but it's it's a challenge. We've leveraged technology to about its maximum potential without having to add additional people to do the job. Because not only do we pick up new construction, we review 120,000 parcels and accounts over a four-year, actually over a three-year period of time. The fourth year is in a reappraisal cycle is is the pickup year where you put your numbers together and right. do your QC. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, eight appraisers that they don't just go out and put on new houses. They review the existing houses about 33000 a year, 34000 a year, while they're doing everything else. That's a tremendous number. And um, l- let's just start with the very basics. So uh, we're getting a little detailed sure. here, but that is a huge I'm number. Tell me exactly, uh, what what does the office do? What is the purpose of the property assessor? Uh, the purpose of the property assessor's office is to discover, list, assess for taxation purposes every tangible, intangible personal property in real property in the county for taxation purposes so that the county tax assessors, which are the county commissioners, right. can place a rate on it, and the trustee who collects the taxes can collect the taxes. Right. And so I think that's real important for people to understand, Rob. You don't set the tax rate. No. We do, we're like the photographer that's taking your family portrait. You might like not like the way your hair looks in the picture, but it's... Not the photographer's fault. Right, right. Yeah, no, I understand. So you don't set the tax rate. You don't collect the taxes. Nope. But tell me why property uh, assessment is important, though. Well, it is uh, 36% in Rutherford County of 
every budget yes. is from property taxes. Right. It is the foundation upon which everything else is built. The better education formula, the BEP, right. which everybody hears, it's based on maintenance of effort, which is delivered off of the off of the county property taxes. Right. So it's all tied together. It's all tied together. Yeah. If if you don't have accurate numbers, if you don't do the math right, it's not just about going out and pulling a tape on a house. Right. It's about actually doing the statistical analysis that's necessary through. Um, Oh, it's statistics, and people get poor statistics. We look sure. at the market, right, and then we find out, we determine a median value for every different classification of property, mm-hmm. every different location in the county. Then based on that median value, that's what the property tax rate set off of. Okay, that that brings another great question. Is uh, Can you describe the different types of property that you assess? Oh, Lord. Uh, personal property. Right. Which would be uh, which, like homes and residential. Well, no, personal property is actually, it's tangible personal property. That would be like your desks, your business equipment, your computers, your cars in a business. Okay. Those type of things. Those are, um, the old term for it was chattel because you could pick it up, you could move it. Mm-hmm. So those things are appraised or assessed annually. And each business is sent out a blue schedule, a Schedule B, which we just sent out. So they'll be receiving a blue schedule. Mm-hmm. They fill it out, or they can go online and fill it out. They send it back in. That determines the value of their personal property for their business okay. that they'll have to pay in October. Then you have homes. Residential, right. You're residential. Then you have your industrial and commercial. Then you have utilities. Utilities are assessed by the state at 55%. Uh, commercial, industrial, 40%. Residential, farms, 25% assessment. Okay. That's assessed on the appraised value. Right, right. And your job is to find that value. Er, to find the value. Yeah, that, that's... that's uh, so, so why do they assess these different types of property properties differently, Rob? I know that's a very fundamental, basic question, but well, why, why is there a different that's, rate? That's a great question because uh, back in 19... 19- 78, the Constitution was changed whereby the assessors of property would assess value, the property uniformly, and they would apply a fractional assessment to the appraised value. So if you think about it, right off the bat, your home is getting a 75% discount for tax purposes. Okay. Your business is getting a 60% discount for tax purposes. And the reason that they determine that is a business, if it has to pay their taxes and it becomes a burden, they can raise their prices. Mm-hmm. Right. Homeowner can't. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Homeowner is the one that's paying for everything else. Right. So the state realized when they were putting that together, they gave a concession right off the bat. To the property owners, to the homeowners, to the average citizen. Now, a lot of states don't do that. They assess at 100% of market value. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those people are moving to Tennessee. Yeah, they're all coming here. They're coming here. Yeah. Now, they're driving up our market value. but Right, right, exactly. And and they continue to to, to pile into our county here, which I don't think a lot of folks realize, Rob, that the the tax rates and the things that you're just discussing, they're set by the state of Tennessee, not by Rutherford County, not the rates, but the laws and the regulations that must be followed. That's 
we follow state law. That right. That's set by the state of Tennessee in Nashville. So uh, a lot of times, I'm sure you get a lot of uh, uh, bullets headed your way about various topics that you have no control over. Don't have any control over, but I like the questions sure. because it means that people are paying attention and engaged. Right. Uh, you know, most people, most legislators, do not realize that we have a state property tax. Okay. It's in the state constitution. It's also in Tennessee Code Annotated. It says every property shall be taxed for state and local taxation purposes. Gotcha. Now, in 1946, we did away with the state property tax, and we got a sales tax. Right. Instead of removing it from the books, they set the rate to zero. Okay. So at any point in time, all they have to do is with a stroke of the pen. Change the rate. Change the rate. Put a rate on it. Right. It's just a penny. Right. It's only a penny. Right. A penny will raise $18 billion in tax revenue. That's unbelievable. One cent. Statewide. Statewide. And you see a movement right now. Um, it, it, there are a lot of state uh, folks from across the state. They're actually trying to limit the or cap the property tax rate that counties can charge at the state level. Are you aware of that, Rob? I'm aware that they, they want to tax. Right now, all property taxes are local. Yes. I'm opposed to the state property tax, and I've yes. been working to try to get that removed from yeah. both the Constitution and TCA because what it does – it places a burden on local community. There's only so much that a local community, the taxpayers, can afford to pay. Yes. They can't pay any more. You reach the breaking point. They don't. That extra penny could be the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. The other thing that it does is it reduces <clears throat> the money that is, excuse me, that's available to fund our schools. Right. Because if you limit the taxes... What happens, the properties that are appreciating the fastest, it shifts the burden over to the properties that aren't increasing as quickly and forces you to place a false value on the ones that are increasing at a lower amount because you have to tax. So if you cap one, you're raising it on another artificially, and that is fundamentally flawed, and it's not fair to the consumer. I, I agree. I couldn't agree more, and I'm very concerned about that. As I visit with our county commission, the city council, the meetings that I go to, obviously we're, we need money uh, as we continue to grow. A lot of folks will say, well, we need to cut spending, those types of things. But, you know, uh, my examination of, of the budgets, there's not a lot of room for uh, a lot. I, I believe that we run a very lean machine we do there's we have some very very good local elected officials that that watch the dollars everybody's always going to disagree about where the money should be spent right but it's going to be spent now as far as our office if we don't spend it we give it back right and our just our goal for our office is regardless of what money the county commission allocates to us because they set our budget, our goal is to always find a way to do more with less and always give something back. This last year, we returned $317,000. Remarkable. Out of a $2.4 million total budget. Right. Over the last seven years, we've returned over $2.5 million. 
That's phenomenal. You know, uh, uh, we you'll constantly see on social media things like that. People will kind of shoot from the hip and say, "Well, if we weren't spending all of this money, then then maybe we wouldn't have to raise taxes." But but I, like I said, after looking at the budgets that I've looked at, I, it's hard to find the fat uh, in our county government, in our city governments, and our, obviously our state governments uh, has been running very, very lean for the last uh, about a decade or even more so. Really, Bredesen's the one that got us headed in the right direction, quite frankly, uh, because of the situation that we had in the early 2000s. But, but uh, they, this is an interesting concept. So... Uh, Tax exemptions, Rob, Mm -hmm. there are certain properties, especially large corporations like Amazon always comes Mm -hmm. to mind, that come to this and they receive a a special deal from the state. Uh, It's called a tax abatement. Right. How does that work, Rob? Does that make your job much more difficult to deal with these these, uh, different deals that are being cut? It doesn't make our job really more difficult okay. we, we just the value is what it's supposed to be the right. contracts come in and it tells us what this actually, is. what mm-hmm. what what they're going to pay taxes on gotcha. uh, a payment in lieu of taxes it's shorthand it's called a pilot right uh, that is a predetermined amount that's determined through the industrial development board with the approval and consent of the county commission right uh to say that this is the amount because of the the state law says you cannot escape taxation. You must make a payment in lieu of taxes that is equal to the amount of what money that is being would be. Would be. Mm-hmm. Now, they allow you when you do that to subtract bond payments. Okay. Usually, the county will will or the industrial development board, which is essentially an arm of the county, will lend money mm-hmm. to <clears throat> these corporations to build. They'll take out – well, the company will take out the loan. The Industrial Development Board will sign the note for it and it's say, well, if you go under, we'll pay. Right. Um, that's why the county commission has to rubber stamp it and say, we agree that if they collapse and fail, the county's going to pay the note. Right. So they're allowed to so – now the companies make those bond payments, and they also make a payment in lieu of taxes. Mm-hmm. And the combination of those two should equal up – to the amount of money that would be generated in property tax gotcha. at, the, at the time that it's set. Right. So, And th- this is one of the um, uh, the tricks or the lures that, that every state uses now to, to attract industry to the – it's really uh, one of these types of uh, – uh, turning into a bidding war, so to speak, with some of these larger corporations. I don't know if you're familiar with, with Bezos and Amazon, mm-hmm. but he literally started a program to see how much money he could get from state and federal governments for free because of what Elon Musk did. Well, sure. well – my background originally was in in retail. Yeah, and the thing that they always tell you in retail is you lose business the same way you got the business. Okay, which means that if you give a discount, mm-hmm. somebody gives a bigger discount, you're going to lose it. Right, and you get people coming to you expecting for something to always be on sale. It is a spiral to the bottom. And a race to the bottom. Yeah. If you compete on quality mm-hmm. and service, so it's much more difficult for somebody to 
Of course, to not it buy is. your product. Yeah, and that, and you're kind of making my point in general why I'm against these tax abatements. We have a wonderful community, the entire state of Tennessee, but especially here in Rutherford County. We're growing by leaps and bounds. We know it's because of our schools and our quality of life and everything that we have here. Why should we give away the we, – we, and we know we, we need those white-collar jobs here in Rutherford County. Folks are tired of commuting to Nashville. Mm-hmm. It's always been the case here. So there's a lot of pressure on our elected leaders now to start attracting those white-collar jobs into suburban communities like Murfreesboro and Rutherford County. But I don't want to give away the farm, Rob. That's that. <laughs> I, I think that we're such an attractive community, and I know Randy Boyd would dis. You know, Randy Boyd has been there and and has uh, understands that that this has to. We have to lure these folks in. He did a great job as economic developer, but. But I think we've got a lot to offer as a community. Folks should just want to come here instead of seeing how much we can give them to come. I mean, is that social? Is that corporate socialism, Rob? Is that what you would call that? I, th- I think some people call it corporate welfare. Corporate welfare. You know. Yep. I I, I wouldn't want to put a label on. It. I would just say sure. if if we're if we're looking to attract a business. Yep. And our chamber of commerce does a wonderful job attracting businesses. Yes. I think that most companies, when they're looking at a community to move to, they're following the rooftops. Mm-hmm. Right. They're following the, – their biggest concerns are, do I have the workforce that I need to do what I do? Or if they're a service industry, do I have the people that will buy my product mm-hmm. if I'm here? Mm-hmm. Those are the economic decisions that businesses make. Property taxes are the very last thing. They know they have to pay them. Right. It's it's a business expense, and it's really the last thing that they look at. Uh, if you if you're going to put a cherry on it, sure. Uh, if you're getting, do you want your did you want your Sunday with a cherry or not? Well, I wasn't going to order a cherry, but if it if you're going to give it to me, I'll take it. Uh, uh, you know who wouldn't? Of course, and that's you know. kind of my point, and it's back to the quality of the of the community that we have here. I, I just don't understand. I, I think that we could bring them in without offering, giving away the farm, so to speak. And uh, because, the, to your point, they're going to want to follow the rooftops, back to your point. Right. And so um, we, we're so fortunate here to be growing. So many other communities around the United States would love to have the problems that we have in, in Rutherford County. Uh, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and folks out there listening outside of the county, we have a lot of listeners that listen even outside of the state of Tennessee, the phenomenal growth that's been going on here. Um, I know that these communities wish that they had the same problems. Well, uh, there are parts of, uh, you know, you were talking about getting back to uh, capping the property tax. The states out west that have done that have the highest property tax rates in the nation. I'm sure. So, obviously... It is a failed premise to think that if we cap a rate, if we cap an increase, that is going to lower the property tax. No, because what they do, the same amount of money is going to be needed to spend things. Right. So they're going to get it from you somewhere else. That, that's right. That's right. You and know, and if, right now there's a couple of avenues the state of Tennessee provides, property tax being one, sales tax revenues being the other. And then uh, there's a third one. But anyway, there, there's only just a few ways for uh, the government to, to bring in the money that it needs to function. Well, locally, you've got sales tax, uh-huh. you've got property tax, right. and you have permits and fees. Permits and fees, that's right, yeah. That's right. wheel tax. Or Which is the wheel tax, yes. You know, <laughs> you know, right. Which everybody hates. Right. You know, um, 
but as, as long as the county commission, as long as the community has expenses that have to be paid, of course, the county commission is obligated to pay those expenses. Yes. And the only way they can pay those expenses is through off of property tax because they know it's a fixed amount that they can plan on as being a part of their budget. Sales tax revenue, that could fluctuate with the wind. Sure it could. Could change tomorrow. Good. If everybody closes their wallet up tomorrow because they get nervous about a shaky economy, well, yeah, it could impact the sales yeah. tax rate. And so, absolutely, that's a very fluid or could be a, a very fluid situation. So, Rob, let me ask you, if someone has a property that they believe has been assessed too high, mm-hmm. what is the appeals process that they can go through with you? Well, the first thing I want to do is call our office, which is 615-898-7750. We want to make sure that, first thing is that the information that we have is correct. That would be the first thing. Mm -hmm. If the information, there's no discrepancy in the information, then in a reappraisal year, uh, we've got some leeway with saying, well, you know, let's see what we can do. How does it fit in the market? In a non-reappraisal year, if the card isn't, incorrect and it's a dispute over the opinion of value then what you do is you set an appointment in june at the county board of equalization okay there are six people that sit there that are peers from the community they're members of the community appointed by the county commission Mm -hmm. not by the assessor right (laughs) right the county commission appoints these individuals they they you'll come in and you'll plead your case you'll need to bring your comps which is your your analysis your records of uh comparable sales mm-hmm. of homes in your neighborhood mm-hmm. relative same size if you if you don't know how to get those we'll you know we'll help give you some direction uh i know people hate it but you can call your now they don't hate calling a realtor but you can call your realtor and most realtors will run some comps for you we've got a new program that we should be rolling out here shortly hope to have it online by may that will let you see online the comps that our system uses to determine your value right so you can actually see your house and then you'll see the homes that are near you that are similar you can pull them up that sold that are in our sales data package and you can set there and say well this house is really like mine it was built about the same year same builder same square footage what is it that what did it sell for oh sold for that much maybe my maybe we don't want to mess with <laughs> maybe right. i don't want to go to the board because they they might go up it on might me even because, be higher because right. in most cases it is yeah. on, on a reappraisal year our numbers are certified with the state mm-hmm. and statistically we are at one mm-hmm. a ratio of one which means the sales price and the appraised value for taxation are identical right now as time goes and the market increases, that ratio begins to have a spread. We may be at, at the end of year one ninety five percent, year two eighty seven percent, which means the market value has moved away from the appraised value for taxation of your property. Gotcha. As time moves, fewer and fewer residential people come in because they can look and see, eh, my house is appraised at this. I could sell it for seventy-five thousand dollars more than that. 
I'm not going to go rock that boat because I'm getting a deal. Right, right. And it makes so much sense. But you know what the encouraging thing to know is, Rob, is that there is a due process system that has been set up by our, by our ancestors so that there is relief for this. Obviously, sure. we're not the first folks facing any sort of dispute. Oh, no, no. And, and you know, Steve, our, our goal is not to really defend values. Right. Our job and our goal is to get the correct value. And nobody knows that better than the person living in the house. Isn't that the truth? And and so let's talk about that because I want to bring up something else that you just touched on. But I want to touch on value first. That We've obviously in this county had an upward trend of, oh, yeah. of value. Is there, can you put, can you give me a ballpark number of what our projection might be? Or is that just shooting in the dark? I mean, uh, of course, we could have an economic collapse tomorrow. Let's hope and pray that that Meaning what, the appraised value of all properties? Is there a trend, a percentage in Rutherford We're going up about between three and a half and four and a half percent a year. Three and a half. So if you live here 30 years, you could really really gave. Oh, yeah yeah and and i'll give you an example of that i bought my first home here rob 1993 i paid less than a hundred thousand dollars for that home uh today it's worth over two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars and uh that that's pre- would you say that's the case for most homes i, I realize that homes sure. plateau out well the 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 largest change is in what's classified as a starter home right Yes, and first, these were first house that my wife and I bought was in 1988. We paid sixty three thousand. Yeah, uh, it was twelve hundred and fifty square feet with a two hundred square foot attached garage. Right, uh, and it was built in a sinkhole. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's right next door to one of the houses that is being bought by the county. Okay, um, because it floods, but. The value in that house right now, and it's just uh, it's got a little brick on the front. The rest of it's vinyl siding. Actually, has a brick chimney. Uh-huh. It's right at one hundred eighty thousand dollars. Right. You know, and that's but that's the market because people coming into the community, mm-hmm. there is a a shortage of homes in a particular value range for people to start out with. Right. And, and this is where that complaint comes up that we hear in the community about affordable housing. And uh, oftentimes folks folks will ask me, they'll say, "What you know, uh, what's your position on affordable housing? What do you believe? And I'm like, well, I don't believe that, you know, the government should be intervening in, in the private property market value mm-hmm. of homes. And so I ask them for a proposal. Do you want more Section 8 housing? Do you, you know, because there are things that are out there that already exist, but this... This uh, inability, for for lack of a better word, or this unaffordability for folks that are starting out um, uh, that's happening in this community, that's really just market-driven, right? It is. It's completely market-driven and expectation-driven. Yes. We have people that are moving out of their parents' homes, and they expect to move into their parents' homes when they get off. Yeah, that's true. Uh, (laughs) You look back at the the, the post-World War II housing, which we have a lot, you know, over around MTSU, you have sections that are like that. Two bedrooms, mm-hmm. one bath, eight, 900 square feet. People raised families in them. Right. The expectations are now that 900, square, yeah, yeah, right. 900 square feet, that's the size of somebody's bathroom. Right, <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. It, I have to have more than that. I have to have a two-car garage. I have to have a kitchen out back on my porch where I can cook and watch TV outside. Right. 
okay. I thought that's what air conditioning was for. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. Well, taste change. You know, actually, people are trending back to smaller homes now, believe yep. it or not. I mean, uh, my wife and I, we, we talk all the time. We're empty nesters now, and we're like, what are we doing with all this house? Um, so we continuously talk about downsizing here. Once again, one of the things that Rutherford County lacks is are the smaller, higher-end condominiums uh, for retirees. And that's really the people that we want to attract into this community. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that, Rob? Because they don't put kids in school. That's right. They pay property tax. They pay sales tax. And they typically have little money. and uh, But they're not taxing our infrastructure that's mm-hmm. already in place. So... Uh, don't you think? I think there's some developers out there now that are trying to hit that sweet spot and trying to bring in more retirees into this well, community. There's there's different uh, horizontal property ownership regimes, which condos, right? That's what it, you know. Yep. Um, there are. I would I would I would very much like to see uh, pocket neighborhoods. Okay. If you Google pocket neighborhoods, okay, those are not technically tiny homes, but they're small homes. Mm-hmm. They're 1,000 to 1,200 square feet. Right. They usually have a common area in the center with green space, with sidewalks. They have community meeting place, almost like an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. But it's a lifestyle community for people that don't have to have a lot of stuff. You can use urban infill with it if you have a few old lots that are sitting there vacant. Mm-hmm. You can do urban infill. You can build something like that, three to five homes, create a pocket neighborhood with its own distinct feel. It's just uh, making sure that we have zoning in place mm-hmm. that's permissive of that type of use. Right. So, I mean, we can we can do it. It's gonna. It's different. Yes. Uh, it's gonna cre- demand creates opportunities right so as the demand increases it creates an opportunity to do something that will will be attractive to folks to live that way right now i'm this my wife and i are empty nesters ourselves and Mm -hmm. the, the 25 square foot home that we have most of it is storing stuff of our children that have moved out. <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't have a place for our own stuff because we're storing theirs. Right, right. I understand. Rob, what is the most frequent question the property assessor office gets? You, you've been there almost uh, eight years now. What, what's Why the, did you raise my taxes? Why, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> so it's folks that just don't understand what it's your it. role is. They, yeah. they don't understand the, the process, and that's fine. We understand that. We partnered with MTSU on two different occasions. We utilized... Uh, an advertising and marketing class over there as part of their capstone event. Okay. Dr. Uh, Tricia Farwell uh, set it up. They actually came. They reviewed, you know, they, they toured our office. They looked at our operations. They researched what property assessors do. They saw a gap that was there in, because they didn't know what a property assessor did. Right. But it helped introduce them to how government works. They created a community outreach campaign to explain the duties and the necessity of an assessor's office, it gave them exposure. Right. It gave us an opportunity to tell the story. They created a video for us that we run on our website. That's fantastic. And yeah. MTSU is a huge community resource Yes, that I think sometimes we tend to overlook. Mm-hmm. We opened up an art gallery. 
yep, in our are. office with MTSU. Yeah. Right. Why? Well, I like art, but sure. I, I also saw it as an opportunity to save taxpayer money because if you have a wall that doesn't have something on it, you have to buy something to put on it. And you have to buy it with taxpayer dollars to put something on a wall. Why not turn it into a gallery and let people put artwork on there for you and rotate it out, which is what we did. And what's even better, there's a student curator of it, and their job is to curate the gallery, make the selections, work it in so that it has a story to it, and they have practical experience for something they're going to do when they graduate. Wonderful. So it's a win-win. It really is. And, and, and as we know, the folks that have lived here longer than 10 years understand that, that Middle Tennessee State is the, the economic engine that really drives Rutherford County that has been here for a long time. And I can't think of a better way to support our local artists as well than to, uh, to, to show their work in our public buildings, those things that we're proud of. So I think that's a wonderful idea, and it's probably one of the reasons why you won an award, Rob. You were recently recognized. Uh, can you talk about that? Uh, well, we've, we've, won a, we've won a couple. We won um, the Excellence in Operations right. in 2018 as the, the best operational uh, property assessor's office in the state. In the state of Tennessee. Uh, we yep. received a three-star certification, which is the first year it's been offered by the Assessors Association. It's it's done in conjunction with compliance with the Comptroller's Office, uh, continuing education, high-performance standards. Uh, so it certifies this office has done absolutely everything with keeping up with their education, keeping up with training, and having zero audit findings from the Comptroller's Office. That's fantastic. So it, with yeah. any of those, uh, 2017, I won an award for a study on properly funding property assessors' offices. It was a, a new uh, formula for making sure there was adequate funding okay. of the office. Yeah, and it was presented at the International Association of Assessing Officers, and I was awarded the John C. Donahue Award. Uh, in its 86-year history, I'm one of only five Tennesseans to ever win the award. That was the one that I was talking so, about, yeah. you know, that's... Quite remarkable. Congratulations. Well, I appreciate that. It, it's, I enjoy, I, I love finding ways to make our community better. And you hear so often people say, well, why don't we, why don't we run government like a business? You can run it similar to a business. Right. You can't run it exactly like a business because a business is driven to create a profit. Profit, right. Government, properly done, is driven to create service. Right. As efficiently and effectively as you can. Mm -hmm. Now, the part that, now it was almost state law, but it was pulled at the last minute for, for some reasons we won't go into. Yeah, right, But, right. you know, I had them pull the bill. The, the part of it that I thought was most engaging was when an assessor's office would have a surplus and would turn the money back to the county general fund, it was to be earmarked for reduction of county debt. Okay. Imagine, instead of the money going in to the pot... To the general fund, right. To the general fund, which can be divided up, put back, and if it was statutorily required to reduce your debt, just like we do in our 
in our own lives, uh-huh. in our own personal finances. Sure. If, if you have a bill, okay, do I pay my bill with the money coming in, or do I stick it in savings? Well, that bill's only going to get bigger if I don't pay something on it. Let me pay something on it. So it, it, it kind of directs county finances in a way that I believe most people at the gut level get it. And want their government to operate in right. that way. Absolutely. I could, and, and it's, it's funny that you say that because I, I, I wanted to ask you this qu- question, Rob. Is, is there a partisan property assessor? I know this is a partisan race, and, uh, but I don't, I don't see where a Democrat or a Republican property assessor really matters. We're ministerial positions. Right. Uh, we're not legislative offices right we we don't set policy mm-hmm. we conduct policy right we follow the law that's written now it, it may it may give someone a a rough idea of where how someone's going to react in a situation where you have leftover money do you spend it or do you or, pay your debt or do you pay your bill right uh there's nothing on a on a property record card that says the person in this house is a Democrat, the person in this house is Republican. We have to give somebody uh, a discount because they're a Democrat, right? Or we have to give them not. a discount because they're Republican. Or gee, they can afford to pay more because they're Republican, or right. or, or whatever. Right. So that really doesn't come into it. It's it's more along the lines of, at least I think, how is that person going to react? In a crunch. Okay. Are they going to pay their bill? Are they somebody that pays their bill? Mm -hmm. Are they somebody that has to be taken to court and sued to pay their bills? Right, right. You know, you pay your bills. Sure, sure, absolutely. You have a bill that's due, you pay your bill, you take care of it. Absolutely. So I can see, well, you know, that that may play into it. I always talk about being from the infrastructure side of the world. You know, there's no such thing as a Democrat or a Republican pothole. No. It's just a pothole. That needs to be fixed. It is. And uh, so I, I really, because all of my experiences with our community leaders like you, the fact is that you guys just love this community and you just want to help. And I think that we get caught up in a lot of this national politics um, uh, of viewing someone who's obviously equipped and does a very good job. Uh, but should we define that or, or label that as one party versus the other? I don't really see it having any impact in in uh, in the ability of someone to do their job on a local level. So, just wanted your your oh, input on that. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, so I uh, take that as an endorsement for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, there's not. Um, um, we have too much of this already, Rob, is, and the whole purpose of the Man in the Middle podcast is to talk about how we bring our communities back together because we are being divided by the right and the left, and there are propaganda machines on both sides, and it's tearing this country apart. And so the whole purpose of this podcast is to show and to prove and to actively demonstrate how we can all work together. Now, we may have a little bit different idea of how we get there. But we've got to work together to get there. If we stop working together, it's over. The republic is over. I mean, you can you can get that. The, my grandfather used to say, "Well, you know, if somebody asks you for directions, can I get there that way?" Yeah, you can. It may take you longer. That's right. But you you know, yes. we have different opinions on on how to get places. My you know, my wife says I take shortcuts that take twice as long to get there. I get accused of that too. <laughs> you yeah, know, but right. It's 
we can have a difference of opinion about how to get there. I don't know that there's a correct answer to it, mm-hmm. just a different answer. Right. And we have to understand it because somebody has a different way of wanting to do something mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they're a bad or terrible person. Thank you so much for saying that. I couldn't agree more with you, Rob. They're, 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 and that's what we have to get away from. We have to stop demonizing each other. We're all neighbors. We're all Americans and Tennesseans, and that's the most important thing. And uh, let me ask you this, Rob. If anybody uh, has a question of uh, anybody listening to the podcast has any questions regarding property assessment or anything that they need to talk mm-hmm. to you about, once again, how do they get in contact with you, Rob? They, they can send me an email if they're um, if they're if they're tech savvy or even not tech savvy. Some people still don't use email. No, that's true. But if you use email, you can email me at rmitchell. Okay. at rutherfordcountytn.gov. Okay. Or you can call the office, 615-898-7750. Ask to speak to me. Nine times out of ten, they'll patch you right through. Right. Awesome. I get a lot of unscreened calls. Awesome. <laughs> I, no, I totally understand. Rob, anything else you'd like to, to say to our podcast audience out there? Uh, just that I've, I, I enjoy serving my community. I want to continue to serve my community, and I don't want to make it political, but I'll put a plug in. Uh, right now, if you're listening between February the 12th and February 25th, 2020, that's early voting for Rutherford County. Election day is March the 3rd. Uh, unfortunately, if you, if you, unfortunately or fortunately, you'll have to declare. If you want to vote locally, you'll have to declare. And if you want to vote for me, <laughs> you'll have to vote on the Republican primary. Uh, otherwise, there you're only voting in the national election because there are no local offices on the Democratic ticket. Right. And that's, you know, so the, the choice that people have to make is where do I think I can have the most influence with my vote? Mm-hmm. Is... Am I going to have more influence voting on a strictly partisan national race where my vote's going to be diluted? Or do I want to make a decision on my neighbor who's going to be visible in the community, who I will see at the grocery store, the gas station, who I can reach out and grab them by their ear right? <laughs> if, I'm, right. if I'm upset about something yeah. or run them down at Hardee's? That's the decision that people have to determine. It, it really is. You know, local government impacts your life. The president really doesn't have that great of an impact on all of our lives. And, and so I know that folks love to follow it, and that's what we all talk about. It, but, but Everybody tr- gets sucked into the national drama. They do, yeah. And they forget that the people that are making the decisions about where most of their tax money is spent, they don't even know who they are or what they do. I know. I know. You know, when I was running for Congress, Rob, and I, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to, folks would ask me, I was running for United States House, and people would say, Steve, what are you going to do when you get to Nashville? And I would say, well, I'm probably going to get on a plane and fly to Washington. Fly to Washington. Yeah, right. So, but, uh, you know, um, civics education is obviously one of my passions as well. But uh, Rutherford County Property Assessor Rob Mitchell has joined us today. Rob, thank you for joining the man in the middle. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you very much. All right, I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle, and we'll be right back. Don't bother asking for explanation. She'll just tell you that she came in the air of the cat. 
Welcome back to the Man in the Middle podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. Once again, we'd like to thank our guest, Mr. Rob Mitchell, Property Assessor for Rutherford County, Tennessee. You know, folks, it's no accident that a country, that a nation that was conceived in liberty and dedicated to justice for all, protects private property rights. As we mentioned in the beginning, prior to 1776, Everything belonged to the king or the queen. I hope that our community will continue to strive for smart growth, but I hope that this growth continues. Our local government's going to be spending a lot of money and a lot of time trying to enforce the rules and regulations that are already in place. And I think it's hopefully people will understand that there is a constitution that we do have to follow the law and that private property is protected by the 4th and the 15th Amendment. Let's work together, folks, to make this place a better community, a better state, and a better country. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. See you next week.